I'm Charlotte. And I'm Dina. Welcome to The Grim Curriculum. All right, everyone. We made a promise and we're delivering. We're fresh out of our Robert Hansen series and man, was it ever a tough one. If you haven't listened to it yet, definitely check it out if you really want to put a damper on your day. Seriously, we heard from a lot of you that it was a difficult one to get through and uh, yeah, we're right there with you. Because of that, we figured we've all earned something a little bit more lighthearted this week. Speaking of lighthearted, if you haven't already, you should check out our second show, The Grim Curriculum. Extra credit for some unscripted fun. A new episode just came out. Yeah, on the show we share our favorite news stories from the past, the present, and then we end each episode with our strange and unusual death segment. Honestly, I have such a blast recording that show. Yeah, <laughs> like, me too. Obviously, I have a good time with this one too, but we get to laugh a lot during extra credit and it's such a good time. Like, we're fun, okay? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, absolutely. So this week, we are going to be sharing three stories. Each of them have something in common. That's right. We're going to be talking about three very different people who disappeared. However, these aren't like the missing persons cases that we've covered in the past. No, because these people vanished and thankfully reappeared. When they did, the real mystery began because they had no idea what happened to them. We are going to be covering the story of Vasily Gorgos, Jody Roberts, and Gabriel Nagy. And trust us, this is going to get weird. <laughs> okay, I had a super weird thought about something while I was working on this, and I hope this like even makes a little bit of sense to you. But like, <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine if, okay, you went missing? And your missing persons case actually becomes well known and they make documentaries about you and maybe even movies about how you went missing. And then you just show back up and there's well, all these like movies about you. Well, or that or like your ki your new kid or whatever with your new family is like, hey, dad, you should check out this new movie. It's it's really cool about this missing person. You watch oh it. And you're like, holy shit. That's Wait a minute. Kind of lighten something up in my brain. I don't know. Oh, man. I just feel like, dang, that'd be awkward. <laughs> no kidding. Our first story takes us back to 1991 to the small town of Buhok, Romania. Vasily Gorgos was 63 at the time and worked as a cattle farmer. He traveled a fair bit for work and often visited different towns around the country to sell and trade his cattle. His family was used to him being gone for extended periods of time. However, he always returned home. Until he didn't. One day, Vasily booked passage on a train for a business trip. Nothing about it seemed out of the ordinary to his loved ones, and they said their goodbyes without a worry. However, when it was time for him to come home, he was nowhere to be found. His family was concerned immediately. They called their local police department and made them aware that he was gone. Numerous people joined a search for Vasily, but eventually days turned into months and months turned into years. Eventually, his family feared the worst and accepted that he may never return. That is, until the evening of August 29th, 2021. A car pulled up in front of the Gorgos home and outstepped who else but Vasily Gorgos himself. He was now 93 years old. Witnesses saw him step out of the vehicle. However, no one actually saw the driver. Along with that, everyone was too shocked to write down the license plate. 
The strangest thing was that Vasily appeared to be wearing the exact same clothes that he had last been seen wearing a whopping 30 years prior. He also had his ID card with him along with the train ticket from his trip in 1991. He appeared to be in good shape, and other than some minor age-related neurological issues, he was in good health. The only thing that they said was wrong with him, that he was basically was just old. His family was shocked to see him and greeted him at the door with a huge amount of commotion and excitement. When they asked him where he had been all of this time, he simply replied, I was at home. It appeared that to Vasily, only days had gone by. He remembered everything from that day as if it had just happened and had no memory of the last 30 years. So what the hell actually happened here? This is a lot more recent than most of the cases that we cover on this show, and because of that, there still isn't a ton of info available, and we might get answers someday, and if we do, we will give you guys an update. Until then, we have quite a few different theories to explore. We'll start with a fun one. It was, you guessed it, aliens. Because what else could it be? I mean, this theory is pretty simple. Vasily Gorgos was abducted by aliens and experimented on for 30 years until they were finished with him. And then he was set free and he was allowed to return home. All right. So this is a fun one, obviously. But is it possible? Well, I mean, anything is possible, isn't it? You're not wrong. But this does seem like a really long time to be experimented on by aliens. <laughs> I've heard stories where people say that they were experimented on over the course of years, but they tend to be like sent home and kind of picked back up as needed. So I don't know about this one. I always like aliens as an option, but I don't think that's the case here. Okay, so let's move on to the next one. Yes, on to the next theory. This one makes a fair bit more sense. Vasily Gorgos suffered an incredibly severe dissociative fugue state. This is something that we're going to be getting into again later in the episode, but let's just take a quick moment to explain kind of what that is. This is a relatively rare psychiatric phenomenon, and people who experience this usually can't explain the gaps in their memory at all. They often even travel to locations from their past, or sometimes they just wander around aimlessly until they come out of it or someone happens to find them. This usually lasts days, sometimes even months. On very rare occasions, it can last even longer, and the sufferer goes as far as to begin even a whole new life with absolutely no memory of who they once were. The fact that Vasily was gone for three decades makes this theory a little less likely due to the fact that a fugue state lasting this long is really not that possible. Not to victim blame or anything, but have we considered that maybe Vasily is a wee bit of a fibber? Ooh, so perhaps he lied? I mean, think about it. Maybe he decided he had enough of his cattle-selling life and wanted something different. He told his family he was going on a trip and just never intended to come back. Oh yes, the old dad went out for cigarettes story. Uh, yeah, exactly. So maybe he left and eventually he met someone new and started a whole new life. I mean, you can get a lot done in 30 years. But it begs the question, why did he come back? Well, the theory is that he got old and essentially his new family just abandoned him. So he then just decided to return home to family numero uno. 
The other theory here is that he developed dementia and he went back to the home that he remembered. Either way, it would seem that if this theory is true, he vanished because he simply didn't want to be around anymore. Ouch. This would also mean that Vasily knows full well where he's been all this time. He just doesn't want to share the nitty gritty details. All right, let's do one more theory when it comes to old Vasily. So perhaps Vasily Gorgos spent 30 years in prison. And when he was released, they gave him the belongings that he had with him when he was arrested. And then they drove him back to his last known address. This is another theory where he would have known full well where he was all this time, so why wouldn't he say where he was? Well, perhaps he was ashamed of what he did, or maybe he simply just didn't want to talk about it. Okay, my concern, if this one is real, is in order for him to actually get this much time in prison, he would have had to have done something pretty bad. <laughs> like, Yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it possible that all this could have happened with no media coverage? Well, also, it like, his family looked for him and, like, contacted the police. So you'd think the police would just look up his name and it would be like, bloop, bloop, bloop. Oh, there he is in prison. <laughs> right? Exactly. Like, oh. Well, I guess regardless of why he went missing, we're glad that he's home safe and maybe someday he'll be willing to share his story. I hate to say it, but I hope he does it pretty soon, because at 93 years old, the truth could very easily die with him. And I mean, it would make for a hell of a deathbed confession. Truly, though, you wonder what this... But, you know, it's not like he was running away to be a spy at 63 years old or, you know, something like that. Like We I don't feel... know that. I, it's true, you know, maybe <laughs> he was a sleeper agent or something and he just got recalled for 30 years, but... The fact that he showed up again wearing exactly the same clothes, that's where my mind is just boggled. Do you, what do you think is the most likely theory? To me, I think it was probably his choice and he made a new family and everything and maybe he has dementia. He's going back to the last place he remembers or maybe a stroke or something. Ooh, maybe. You know, that can wipe out big chunks of the brain sometimes if it's severe enough, right? So what if on the train that day he had a stroke? Honestly, anything is possible. I feel like at this point, the truth might just be a very awkward conversation. Mm -hmm. Or the truth is simpler than we're making it out to be. It's so hard to say. Right, exactly. Either way, I'm glad he's safe. Yeah, absolutely. So our next one is from the Seattle Times archives from a 1997 article. It's the story of Jody Roberts. This one is super sus to me, but the more I learned about it, the more it just kind of confused the hell out of me. Jody Roberts was working as a reporter in Tacoma. She covered a number of incredibly difficult topics, including government corruption and the Green River Killer. Her career was going very well. She also had a lot of family and friends who cared about her, as well as a husband who loved her very much. On May 20th, 1985, Jody didn't show up for work. Her car was found in a parkade near the office, but there were no clues regarding her whereabouts. Years passed. Her parents lost all hope and they mourned the loss of their daughter. Those close to her held out hope that she was alive and maybe had just run away to start a new life. In the past, she had made some comments that made it seem like this was something she wanted to do. But I mean, lots of people joke about that, but 
I mean, to do that would be really complicated. Well, this would be a lot for someone to just leave behind. Yeah, like, I mean, that's to just go away from everything and have no trace of you whatsoever is that's that's not an easy task. Well, especially when she's a woman with quite a lucrative career, like she's covered some big stories. But that makes me wonder if maybe she was like poking into the wrong story and she had to go into like... um witness protection or something oh i like that theory okay let's get back to that later yeah i like that jody would not reappear until 12 years later when a woman in alaska saw a photo she recognized in an old missing person story this confused her because the person in the photo was her co-worker jane d she had just seen her the other day Jody Roberts was not only living in Alaska under a completely different name, but she had also married someone else and had children with him. She had started a completely new life and said that her earliest memory was just being in Denver in the middle of a mall parking lot. She then spent four months in a hospital. We were actually able to find the original police report from this. It says that at 6.15 p.m. on May 25th, 1985, Security guards from the mall called police to report a woman who was in mental distress. They said that they had her in custody and that she claimed to have no clue who she was. When police arrived, they found a young woman wearing a green jacket. On her, she had some cigarettes, a car key for a Toyota, some pens, and a notepad with nothing on it. The police took her around the parking lot and tried the key on every Toyota they could find, but none of them fit. As they continued to walk around, she began to panic as she realized nothing around her looked familiar. This is when she was referred to the hospital in Denver, where she continued to state that she had no memory prior to the parking lot. An effort was made to find her family, but with no success. There were some local news stations that covered it, but it didn't go too far. After investigating the case, police were not able to figure out who she was and they opted to just give her a new identity. And I didn't realize this was really an option. But I mean, what else are you going to do with someone who doesn't know who they are? Yeah, that's an incredibly tough call to make. And if they have no identity, how are they assigned like a caseworker to help them you know get a new sin number and like all this stuff like how do you just become a person in society oh absolutely and that's the thing too is she had to have a new birthday picked out like we said we had to we had to she had to have a new sin number like all of that had to be created so you're essentially like creating this new person who's an adult And at what point do police be like, okay, like we've tried to look into it and we give up. So uh, here's the forms to fill out your new person identity. Like, right? Like that baffles me. Mm -hmm. Her name was legally listed as Jane D. And she was given the new birth date of January 1st, 1963. Shortly after that, she relocated to Alaska and began working as a waitress. She even put herself through university and spoke multiple languages. She appeared to be a perfectly normal and intelligent woman. Eventually, her mother was able to contact her on the phone, and the two were able to have their first conversation in over a decade. And the conversation really raised more questions than it gave answers. Her mother was shocked to discover that her daughter couldn't recall her own birthday, and when presented with her old work projects, she would look at them as if she had never seen them before. 
When she was discovered, she stated that she didn't want to do any interviews and was just focused on spending time catching up with her parents. Her husband said that he was just happy that she was alive and well. Friends of Jane D. said that she was easy to get along with, but always came across like she was holding something back. Anytime she was asked about her family, she would say that her parents had died and would refuse to go into details about her early life. At some point, she worked at a hot dog stand with a man named John, who would later say that he assumed that she was some kind of a Russian spy due to the fact that she was so well-educated and spoke Russian so well. So, all in all, it appeared that the new life she was living was a fairly good one. She appeared to be a good mom with close ties to her family. So, what the hell happened? I mean, we already mentioned the most obvious theory. Did she just decide one day that she was going to leave her entire life behind? People who were close to her before she went missing mentioned that she had not only emptied her bank account, she had surrendered her cats to the local Humane Society. Which seems sus to me, but her family is convinced that this is a case of good old-fashioned amnesia. Experts say that it is very unlikely that someone could suffer from amnesia over such a long period of time. Well, I don't know. What do you think? This is one that I just don't know about because, yes, amnesia is a thing and it definitely can happen, but I just have a hard time believing it here. She mentioned to quite a few people that she wanted a new life and she got one and she seems pretty happy because the most recent updates I could find show her as a pretty content person who just doesn't talk about the life that she says she doesn't remember. It's a little suspicious. I kind of wonder about the whole like witness protection thing. She was a reporter after all. Maybe she was digging into someone that she shouldn't have been digging into kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe that's too um, cinematic and the truth is much, much simpler. It just, um, she didn't seem to be super wild about finding her family again after all this time. Or maybe I'm just reading a little too it, too much into it. I don't know about witness protection because like that's super complicated. And then I don't think they would just like, I don't know if they would just drop her in a mall and just be like, all right, good luck. That's but very true. That's very true. That makes me think that she was maybe reporting on something or found something that scared her and she was like, I got to run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very possible that it was just something that she opted to do because of uh, a shady happening. Yeah, exactly. But at the end of the day, I mean, it seems like she got what she wanted. Yeah, everyone seemed to be fairly happy in the end, all things considered. She was gone for 12 years, so that's a pretty good chunk of time to sort of maybe move on with your life, I guess. Yeah, I hope her husband did. Yeah, I hope so too, because I feel like it sucks for the family you leave behind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Our final story takes us all the way to Australia. We mentioned earlier that one of the theories when it came to the disappearance of Vasily Gorgos was that he could have potentially suffered from a fugue state. This case is about someone who actually went through this, and it's honestly pretty fascinating. This brings us to the story of Gabriel Nagy, a husband and father who went missing on January 21st, 1987. It all started when he called his wife Pamela to tell her that he was going to come home on his lunch break to see her. She would not see or speak to her husband again for 23 years. The day after he went missing, his car was found on the side of a quiet road. 
There had been a terrible accident and it had been burnt almost beyond recognition. To everyone's shock, Gabriel was nowhere to be found. Family, friends, and strangers all gathered together in an effort to find him. But it seemed like he vanished without a trace. Two weeks later, someone claimed that they saw Gabriel withdrawing all of the money from his bank account. Other witnesses saw him purchase a number of camping supplies. And I will say that both of those things have been confirmed. Life for Pamela and the children continued on. They desperately missed Gabriel, and while they accepted that he was gone, they held out hope that maybe someday he would be found again. They eventually moved away from the family home, but his wife always made sure that their phone number was listed in the phone book so that he could look them up if by some miracle he was still alive. Two weeks before he would have been officially declared dead, Senior Constable Georgia Robinson found a clue. In order for him to be legally declared dead, a court hearing would have to happen. Because of this, she was looking into all of the old information that she had about his case. And she was seriously invested. This case had been a part of her life for over a decade. She was determined to bring it to a close. She couldn't rest without knowing that every single trace of him was investigated, so she decided to do one final search. She was absolutely astonished to see his name pop up in some Medicare records. From that, she found his most recent address, and there he was. I have to say, that's a damn good cop. Like, good for her. Yeah, I, she kept on this case, and it paid off for her in the end, that's for sure. <laughs> yep. The two were able to sit down and have a conversation about where the hell he had been this entire time. Gabriel stated that his first memory was waking up with a terrible, bleeding head wound and being in a lot of pain. From there, he spent over 20 years working on various farms and doing odd jobs around the Queensland area. His life was anything but a happy one. He spent most of his time alone and was often without a home. Gabriel said that he often felt lost, and because of that, he drank a lot to dull the pain. One day, he met truck driver turned pastor Barry Hayhoe, who took Gabriel under his, who took Gabriel under his wig. He was hired on as a caretaker for the church grounds, where he began to heal. However, he often found himself feeling like something was missing from his life, and like he just didn't know who he was. As he got older, Gabriel developed some issues with his eyes, which led to cataract issues that needed to be operated on. As he got older, Gabriel developed some problems with his eyes, which led to cataract issues that needed to be operated on. Pastor Hayhoe helped Gabriel get a Medicaid card so that he could be seen by a doctor. And this was where he would cross paths with Senior Constable Robinson, like we mentioned. She showed up and basically told him, listen, I'm not here because you're in trouble. You are actually a missing person and I want to reunite you with your family if you'd like. Can you imagine, like, you're out there pulling weeds at the church and you get told you have an entire life you don't remember? Like, what a mindfuck. I think it would take a very tough person to not just crumble in that moment. Right? He was given the option to get in touch with his family. Gabriel decided to first write them a letter to explain that he was alive and well. In it, he included the number to a phone he had been given so that they could call if they wanted. A few days later, the phone rang. On the other end, he heard the words, Hi, Dad. His daughter told him that she loved him, and the two spent a fair bit of time catching up. 
Once they got off the phone, he got a call from Pamela. He said the two talked until the battery died on his phone. Two weeks later, the family was reunited. This story doesn't have some sort of magical happy ending, sadly. The family remains in touch, but Gabriel still lives his own life away from them. His daughter was originally the one who pushed him to share his story. Her goal was for people with missing loved ones to see that there is hope. She also wanted to show people who may be willingly missing that their families deserve closure and that not knowing where your loved one is is the closest thing to hell that one can experience. So, with all that, what the hell happened to Gabriel Nagy? Like we mentioned earlier, what happened to him is most likely the result of a dissociative fugue state. This was most likely caused when he hit his head during the car accident. He claims that bits and pieces of his memory were returning, but not enough for him to piece anything together, really. While this is incredibly uncommon, it is possible. What do you think about this one? I feel like out of the stories that we talked about, I believe his the most. I'm I'm a little skeptical about stories of people not knowing they were missing, not because it doesn't happen, but because it is something that I could really see people lying about after they got caught trying to start a new life or something. To me, it does seem like Gabriel had some serious demons, so I don't know, but could someone hit their head and lose their memory? Sure. I suppose it's possible, but it's such a soap opera type story to me at the same time. I completely agree. And if Gabriel was indeed in a fugue state, I wonder if this was also then the case with Vasily Gorgos. But the fact that he was, again, I can't get my mind away from the fact that Vasily was wearing the same clothes that he disappeared in 30 years later. It's pretty crazy when aliens are on the possibilities list for these types of things. So. Right? Like, you know you've gone off the deep end when aliens seem more possible than some of, like, the truth. It certainly seems more simple, that's for sure, yeah. <laughs> We've, of course, covered a few unsolved missing persons cases on this podcast. We always talk about how we hope that they will someday be solved, either to new technology being available or just simply thanks to an investigator just putting in the time. At the end of the day, I'd much rather know my missing family member was out there happily living life rather than spending like decades locked in a basement or something. In a lot of ways, these stories really are a best case scenario, but they do show that there's a reason to hope until you know for sure there is a reason not to. Oh, definitely. I always wonder what it's like for the people that have moved on and then their people reemerge out of nowhere. You know, for the people who remarry when their husband or their wife goes missing after, mm -hmm. you know, a certain amount of time. I've definitely had um, discussions with Cody before about like what happens to the people that come back after the Thanos snap, you know, <laughs> like five years later, like, ew. That's some really awkward conversations. I think it definitely would be for some people, yeah. And confusing legally. Oh, like, you know, <laughs> for the people that have claimed, like, life insurance and, you know, all this sort of thing. And it's like, if you've been legally declared dead and then you show up, that must be a whole lot of other paperwork. Right? Like, all of that just seems complicated. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> <laughs> the admin that would come with someone re-emerging is ridiculous. Oh my god, so, so true. 
All right, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We like to do something a little bit lighter hearted every now and again, but don't worry. We're getting back to our usual grim selves next week with a really sad story. If you're finishing this episode and you're thinking to yourself, wow, you guys, how does this podcast not have more listeners? Uh, There are a few things that you can do. That's right, friends. If you give us a thumbs up or rate us wherever you're listening, that would be absolutely amazing. Comments and just generally interacting with our posts is also a huge help. You can also share us on your socials. And don't forget, we have two, count them, two merch stores. Yeah. Check us out on Etsy for some fantastic stickers, pins, and other small goodies. Or find us on Threadless for shirts and pretty much everything you could want. It's pretty awesome. Those links (laughs) are always available in the episode description, so go check them out. And, of course, you can't forget to check us out on Patreon. And speaking of, it is now time to thank our wonderful Grim VIPs and up. A huge thank you to Bob, Lisa, Pink Flamingo 20, Atlantean Jedi, Brian, Hillary, Judy, Kevin, and Mayhem Mudkip. Y'all are the cat's pajamas. Meow. (laughs) I don't think we have anything else today, hey? Now we're good. Thank you all so much for listening. This has been The The Grim Grim Curriculum. Dina, did you know William the Conqueror of England, when he passed away, the gas buildup in his stomach was so bad that he actually exploded at his own funeral, covering the monks (laughs) of the abbey in his rotten guts. Oh, gross. <laughs> so uh, luckily people don't really explode these days, but they used to. <laughs> yeah, they sure did. Bye. Bye. Bye.